You know, one catalyst I'm kind of looking forward to is possible dividend hikes this year. If we got a 10% dividend hike, potentially across the six banks, that could take the average dividend yield back to 4%. Welcome to Deep Dive, a special episode of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these episodes, we put BMO GAM's investment strategies under the microscope so you can see how they work for your clients and your practice. In today's episode, Daniel Stanley, Chris Heeks, and Saurabh Movahedi explore the upbeat second quarter earnings of Canadian banks, providing valuable context about where the big six are right now, where they're headed in Q3, and which ETF strategies offer the best risk-adjusted exposure for your clients. Before we hear from our experts, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and bookmark BMOETFs.ca in your browser. Welcome to the third episode of our deep dive series on Canadian Bank quarterly earnings. Today we're covering the second quarter 2021 bank earnings announcements, and we will return each quarter on this channel to update you on the latest financial results. My name is Daniel Stanley. I'm a director and ETF specialist at BMO Exchange Traded Funds, and I'm joined today by my friends and colleagues, Chris Heeks. Portfolio Manager for all of BMO's equity and multi-asset ETFs, and Surab Mobahedi, Managing Director, Financials Research at BMO Capital Markets. And today we're going to cover the recent bank earnings announcements and what they mean for investors and the Canadian economy, as well as looking at different ETF strategies that give you exposure to the Canadian banks. So without further ado, Chris and Surab, thank you very much for taking the time to join me. And Let's get started. And Surab, I want to start with you because on our last podcast, you described bank earnings as being very strong and above expectations. How would you summarize the latest results in comparison? Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, Good day, everybody. I would say uh, more of the same maybe is the quick answer to give you. For sure, uh, this quarter's results at the big six uh, benefited from a uh, I would say a fairly stiff tailwind uh, as it pertains to lower credit provisions. They were a source uh, of the above expectations of results this quarter. But uh, so was uh, revenue diversification. So, for example, when you think about uh, the persistent low rate environment and the headwind that has presented for banks' top line growth through margins. And quite candidly, over the past year, a bit of a dearth of uh, good loan growth. Having revenues outside of traditional banking, here I'm thinking capital markets and wealth management, um, uh, was a uh, a great uh, ad- additive as far as banks are concerned. Now, really important to highlight here, though, that it wasn't just enough to show up with a capital market segment or a wealth segment, for example. You had to have the right mix. When you think about capital markets, you have to have the right mix between trading and investment banking. Even within trading, you needed to have an established equities franchise. Or within investment banking, you needed to have a a geographic presence also in the US. So net-net, you had a very good set of results obviously easy comps given Q2 of last year was the first quarter of real uh, aggressive reserve building in anticipation of the COVID pandemic. Uh, But I would say fast forward a year, 
take the benefit of hindsight into consideration and the credit reserves look to be uh, conservative. Uh, what that tells us is we would actually expect to have uh, a gentle tailwind of uh, reserve releases actually looking ahead from here. And so if, um, if all goes well, uh, you should have another good couple of quarters out of the Canadian banks, um, perhaps on the sell side and as a market will start getting a little bit more acclimatized to the numbers and you won't have the same strong above expectations results, but certainly you're going to have good results uh, balance of year still. Thanks, Saurabh. So things are looking good going forward, maybe not necessarily above expectations, but things are generally looking good. Chris, I'm just curious, you know, in light of these results, how have you guys seen sort of BMO's bank-focused ETFs performing as we approach the midpoint of 2021? And how much longer do you see this trend lasting? Oh, thanks, Dan. Good to be here again. Um, you know, the performance of our bank ETFs has been very strong, you know, to, to reflect the fundamental strength of the of the, the companies um, that Saurabh is, is talking about. So ZEB, um, our equal weight Canadian banks is up 27% this year. Our cover call Canadian banks, ZWB, is up 21%. You know, on, um, on an index level, the TSX is up 16. So you're seeing, you know, really strong outperformance. Um, from the Canadian banks, you know, it's kind of continuing on this kind of value and cyclical rally um, that we've seen in the market, you know, as vaccines are rolling out, economies are reopening, it's all been very, you know, very beneficial for the Canadian banks. Um, you know, I think, you know, in terms of how long does the trend last, um, you know, I think, you know, I'm also optimistic, you know, for for the, you know, the upcoming court, you know, at least a couple quarters, I think, you know, the, the wind is at their back. Um, you know, it sounds like, you know, the, 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 re the release of reserves, that's a positive thing. You know, one catalyst I'm kind of looking forward to is possible dividend hikes this year. You know, if we got a 10% dividend hike potentially across the six banks, that could take the, the average dividend yield back to 4%. So 4% is right on the historical average. And I think with the kind of the wind at the back, you know, probably Canadian banks, I'd look for them to trade below the historical average yield. So in other words, to rally further. You know, four percent's the average, and we were spending a lot of time last year at five and six percent dividend yield. You know, we're probably due to spend some time on the other side of four. So, you know, pretty optimistic over three to six months. You know, the one kind of downside catalyst that I'm looking at potentially maybe you know the impact of tapering. You know, and and that looks like that's you know from the Fed that's going to be more of a Q4 Q1 thing. But so we'll see how it goes. But it looks, um, you know, had very strong performance year to date. Um, maybe it's not another 27% from the Canadian banks uh, for the rest of the year, but I think it's it's looking to be a you know a healthy backdrop, and I think double-digit returns are certainly um, you know within a, a realm of a, a likely possibility, you know, a strong possibility. Thanks for that, Chris. Again, nice to hear another message of some good tailwinds behind the banks. Sarab, I want to move back to you because you know these stronger bank earnings really seem to reinforce this optimistic outlook at a higher level for the economy, which in turn re reinforces inflation expectations and, and the steeper yield curve. Talk to us a little bit about how this affects an investor's decision to own bank stocks for yield versus say other yield options that are out there like bonds, for example. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, um, you know, the Canadian banks, first of all, are usually uh, always owned. 
uh, for their dividend yield. I think uh, in prior conversations, we referred to their uh, legendary commitment to those dividends, um, the sustained uh, payment of those dividends. And we've gone now through the past year where uh, because of regulatory uh, constraints, call it regulatory prohibition, the banks have not uh, been able to increase their dividends. And um, when when you think about that, and in the context of the dividend yield yardsticks that uh, I think Dan just mentioned, or sorry, Chris just mentioned, um, yeah, we would expect uh, uh, that, first of all, the dividend yield part of the equation is going to be an important part of the total return story for Canadian bank investors. If you look at uh, the various uh, dividend yields of the, the bank group today, I think Chris talked about it in the context of um, the longer term averages. I would tell you that uh, uh, there is room to improve on these dividend yields. And when you think about the yield relative to alternatives, for example, um, <laughs> I'll call them other risk-free type uh, instruments like the 10-year bond yield. Things are not as attractive as it would have been a year ago where the yield on the bank index may have been five or six times, um, let's say the yield on the long bond in, in Canada, but they're still uh, in very attractive uh, territory. So we are looking for the banks which typically operate in a 40 to 50% dividend payout ratio range. Uh, some banks, I'll use National Bank, which is the smallest of the group, is actually below that target range currently, hurt probably the least because of the pandemic reserve building. So some banks actually have fallen outside of that range at the low end. And we would expect that once the regulatory restrictions are lifted, Bank investors are uh, are likely to get a catch up, I would say, uh, bump in dividends. And uh, the 10% number that uh, was mentioned earlier, as far as the growth, you know, that could be a blended number across the group. But it wouldn't surprise us if you had a higher rate than that at some of the banks. Again, here I'll just uh, specifically maybe single out National Bank because it has fallen below its payout ratio range to kind of get itself back to its long-term payout ratio range of call it low 40%, you know, 42%, it could probably afford to bump dividends uh, by 25%. So you will have, I would argue, outsized dividend bumps, not uniformly uh, uh, across, uh, across all of the banks, but uh, at specific banks. And I think you will have uh, the banks deploy some of that excess capital uh, towards buybacks as well. So notwithstanding the, the backdrop of uh, higher rates, um, steeper yield curve, and maybe even some inflation coming in, uh, we would expect the dividend yield uh, to provide for the banks to provide pretty robust downside protection. And, you know, relative to the long bond yields, just for 
for sake of um, uh, interest for everyone, the average relative yield since 2010 has been two times the long bond yield. So my expectation is that, you know, maybe we're around there. So we, we would be able to maintain that. I don't necessarily think we would fall too far behind that. So we maybe we're kind of right-sized relative to, to history and the long bond yield, but that doesn't necessarily mean uh, that we don't have, uh, we can't sustain that. So a very long-winded answer to saying that uh, we see uh, revenue growth, oh, sorry, dividend growth returning. Uh, on the one hand, we see outsized uh, dividend growth at some banks, and we certainly expect those dividend yields to continue to look favorable relative to the alternative risk-free type stuff like the long bond yields. Thanks, Sarab. And I, it sounds like the the status of, of people owning the banks for that dividend is, is just not going to, to change. Chris, I want to drill down a little bit more on this topic. Um, talk to us a little bit about how rising inflation expectations and steeper yield curves might affect an investor's decision to get their financials exposure through, say, a pure bank ETF like ZEB versus a covered call bank ETF like ZWB or even a dividend-focused ETF like ZDB? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Dan. Well, you know, we've got both approaches, obviously, covered call and traditional um, traditional banks there. You know, I think the decision from an investor point of view, really, you know, the covered calls intended to be more of an income-based product. So for investors who, you know, want to shave maybe a bit of volatility off the banks, cover calls a lower volatility by kind of 10 to 20% relative to the underlying equities and give you a lot more current income. You know, so again, in, a, in an income challenged environment overall, you know, cover calls can be a, a great part of the solution to um, to help provide that additional level of yield. Um, and then to your, to your mention of other exposures, um, you know, obviously Canadian banks uh, factor heavily um, in the Canadian market overall. So in our, in our core dividend strategies, you know, again, we've got a, a, a you know, the straight equity solution, ZDV, Canadian dividend ETF, and we have the ZWC, the Canadian covered call dividend ETF. You know, it's the same, I think it's the same kind of dynamics there in terms of an investor approach, you know, again, the more um, income oriented investor may opt for the ZWC, which is yielding 7.2%. Um, obviously, we get a healthy dose of banks in both these funds. It's about 25% um, of the funds are in banks. Um, and, and then also, obviously, they've got you know other sector exposures. That are, they're more of a, a broadly diversified portfolio. Um, but we are seeing you know, a lot of interest across the board. And you know, strong fundamentals you know, will help drive strong returns. And that we're seeing banks playing a role you know, across, obviously, bank-specific funds and, and more broad strategies as well. And, and, you know, as, as this kind of reopening trade uh, continues to roll out and, and, you know, as you mentioned, we're seeing interest rate, you know, inflation expectations increase, you know, that's tended historically to favor value exposures and, and, and dividend and value. There's a natural connection there. Right. So dividend based exposures tend to have a value bias. And, and again, um, you know, these strategies are um, are outperforming this year. Um, so if you look at our core dividend strategies, you know, they're up about 18% each. And again, the broad index is up 16. You know, banks banks are certainly a strong part of that. As I mentioned, they're up 
in the high 20s. So yeah, lots of options for investors and, and depending on whether you want to have more of a total return approach and go with the non-covered call, or if you want to have more of an income approach um, where the covered call can work well, I think there's you know some good opportunities there. You are listening to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're looking for timely trade ideas to navigate the current market, we encourage you to tune in each Thursday for our weekly Views from the Desk episodes. You'll hear razor-sharp insights, commentary, and ETF strategies from our portfolio managers, as well as questions submitted directly from our audience of Canadian financial advisors. Sir, I want to come back to you because Chris made an interesting comment about, you know, the reopening trade and and we are still early-ish in this reopening trade. I'm just curious because amidst a lot of the good news uh, in the bank earnings, there was some potentially worrisome data about loan growth at the banks. Can you talk to us a little bit about what the difference is, say, between a commercial loan and a mortgage loan from the bank's perspective and what they signal for the direction of bank earnings and the economy? Yeah, I guess um, I, I would uh, I would highlight uh, a few different um, uh, observations uh, here. So uh, first of all, commercial uh, lending tends to be very pro-cyclical. So uh, it is not actually, I guess, overly surprising that we would have had, uh, as you characterized it, kind of worrisome uh, declines in commercial uh, loan growth or commercial lending, I guess, at the at the banks, because remember, we certainly in Canada have been experiencing uh, the second wave lockdown, and it is just hard for business owners to kind of make those commitments, if you will, when it comes to capital expenditure and the like. Um, on the one hand, the second thing I would say. Uh, you know, until you have had basically the, the the all clear on the economy, the vaccination rollouts, and the the reopening. Of course, our economics department, for example, at BMO, is looking for you know six percent plus type GDP growth in Canada. So that will bode well uh, for commercial loan growth. The second thing I'd say is, in response to the pandemic, one of the things we obviously saw from the Canadian government was uh, uh, you know fairly aggressive stimulus spending. So there is quite a bit of liquidity uh, available right now. You see this, for example, in the deposit balances of the banks. And so in the first instance, you would need some of those excess deposits, excess liquidity to be drawn on by borrowers uh, before you will get a rebound in, uh, in, uh, in, in loan growth. So I would say for the most part, this is kind of playing out as you would have normally expected with a different, you know, with different economic cycles, uh, but for the fact that things may be a little bit more exaggerated. From a, from a bank perspective, you know, when you think about a commercial loan versus, let's say, a mortgage loan, you know, I maybe as a bank I'll make a, you know, make a million dollar mortgage loan, but hopefully I'm able to make a ten or fifteen million dollar commercial loan, right? So loan volumes, the dollar values are larger associated with the commercial loan balances. The, the, the return on that asset, so the yield I get on that commercial loan is higher than the, the spread I make 
on the mortgage, but they obviously would have a different risk profile as well. When you think about it, uh, for example, a Canadian residential mortgage loan has embarrassingly low loss rates associated with it historically, you know, sub 10 basis points. And that's largely because it is either insured uh, by a sovereign, let's say CMHC, or uh, at, uh, at inception, the loan to value is uh, below 80%, which provides quite a bit of uh, um, um, collateral value, if you will, in the event of default uh, for the lenders. So, you know, we typically think of mortgages as being earnings light, but ROE accretive. Uh, obviously, once you take the risk adjustment into, into account, but um, commercial tends to be higher return on asset, lower ROE, so call that earnings accretive, but maybe a bit more uh, profitability dilutive. But regardless, as you started, when the reopening of the economies take uh, traction, we fully expect utilization rates to start picking up, you know, probably the toggle there is going to be between the liquidity levels or the deposits that are sitting at the banks. Um, and uh, and it's going to be, you know, maybe it's going to be a consumer, uh, you, you really need consumer spending to start, uh, but definitely commercial lending will participate in that reopening trade, maybe with a one or two quarter lap. Great. Thanks, Sarab. Chris, I want to bring it back to you because I think generally speaking, there seems to be a lot of optimism around all banks, not just Canadian banks. Talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing in BMO's U.S. bank ETFs uh, performance when compared to, say, the Canadian bank ETFs. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Dan. And, um, you know, I think the, you know, the, the kind of the financial um, tailwinds have been, you know, it's been a global phenomenon, phenomenon, um, you know, so very much it's been global financials benefiting since this reopening trade, as we call it, started in late uh, 2020 and it's kind of continuing on. Uh, U.S. banks, you know, they faced an even deeper sell-off um, in COVID and, and they're responding very well. So if you look at ZUB, our hedged equal weight banks, uh, U.S. banks, ETF, it's up 34% year to date, you know, versus the Canadian about 27. So very strong returns there um, are you know, the Canadian dollar is strong. So um, if you're unhedged, the ZBK, you know, it's still up 28%. And our cover call, uh, ZWK, which has the 7% yield and more income focus is up 25%. Um, so definitely some really strong returns. Something that I thought was really interesting was I was looking at some research on historical valuations in the S&P. And, uh, and they're looking at... Um, out two years on a price-to-earnings basis, um, financials and energy uh, and utilities, for that matter, are screening as the most cheap. So, you know, even despite this rally, I think it's an interesting um, data point that as we look to the other side of, um, you know, this kind of COVID correction that we've had, uh, fundamentals are looking strong. And, and again, I think the tailwinds that, that we're talking about on the Canadian side um, very much apply to the U.S. as well. So, you know, again, an interesting exposure for Canadians to diversify their portfolio with some U.S. financials exposure. 
And, and interesting that even after this run-up that they are still screening cheap. Sureb, I w- want to come back to you. You know, you've mentioned, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, that it's, it's really not a question of if, rather a question of when the banks get that regulatory green light to deploy capital. Talk to us a little bit of what makes a bank better positioned to use their capital for inorganic capital deployment, which I guess are acquisitions versus buybacks or dividend increases. Okay. So, I want to start off by saying all of the Canadian banks are very well capitalized, both by historical standards, by regulatory minimums, um, by, you know, any measure of, you know, by reserve levels, by uh, quality of the book. So they are all well positioned uh, is point number one. Uh, Point number two, uh, they are all well positioned to deploy that capital Almost always, every bank will tell you the first port of call for capital deployment is organic growth opportunities. And some banks, quite candidly, probably have better organic growth opportunities than others. That could come because they have uh, previously, for example, expanded uh, their geographic uh, footprint. Uh, maybe sometimes they are needing to beef up and uh, build up a bit more scale. They may go after some inorganic capital deployment. But, you know, when you talk about M&A, you know, just as a reminder for everyone, you know, banks are uh, sold, not bought. So you really do need uh, willing sellers. And I believe that the promise of higher rates deeper yield curve, you know, probably has changed the psyche of a number of the willing sellers, usually based out of the U.S., right? So I think if I'm a bank executive in the U.S. uh, and I'm looking at uh, 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 arguably the tailwind of uh, steeper yield curve, NIM expansion, uh, economic recovery, all of these things that we're talking about, I, you know, I wonder if I'm uh, if I'm going to try and sell out now, or if I'm going to try and wait it out a bit uh, to uh, get full value or even higher value. I would say so. Hold on to that from the you know from the seller's perspective, but even from a buyer's perspective, for as much work as we all do on a you know on a spreadsheet trying to figure out the accretion and the synergies and the like. As a practical matter, you do need an executive team that has the ability to pull the trigger. <laughs> That's point number one. And number two, the commitment to execute and deliver on the you know, financial uh, objectives that uh, may be kind of laid out in a presentation deck. And so in that regard, I do think it's really, really import- important to look to see which of the banks um, you know, executive team, and here I would maybe point to the CEO in the first instance, see how far along their tenure the CEO is. And I think that would be indicative, you know, if they're playing the back nine, you, you wonder if uh, there is actually uh, a willingness to pull the trigger or if that decision is best left for the successor. And so, you know, amongst the Canadian banks, we did go through a phase of uh, leadership changes about uh, five or six years ago. Uh, Banks uh, like National have already talked about succession plan over there. So I suspect 
chances of uh, inorganic capital deployment, anything big anyway, are, are lower. Uh, we don't cover the BMO, but obviously uh, BMO's CEO would be uh, um, the, the, the youngest vintage of uh, you know, tenure. And then you have you know, Scotia, TD, Royal, CIBC to varying degrees. I think investors should be thinking about you know, how comfortable they would be quite candidly if those CEOs that may be, like I said, uh, closer to the end of their tenure as opposed to the end of the tenure were to make a transformational commitment of capital. So we think about it. It's possible. My guess is uh, that the Canadian banks in the first instance are going to be a lot more focused on organic opportunities as well as buybacks and dividend increases as opposed to uh, M&A. Thanks, Sureb. Appreciate that. And and Chris and Sureb, thank you very much, guys. Look, as always, you've shared with us some really, really valuable insight. I just want to remind the audience, you can get exposure to Canadian banks via ZCN, ZEB, ZWB, and ZDV. All four ETFs trade actively on the TSX. You can also get exposure to our U.S. banks via ZUB and ZBK or the Covered Call U.S. Banks ETF ZWK. If you have any questions, please visit our ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca for research, news, and insights. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Please join us in mid-September for the next update on Canadian banks. Thank you to Sorab Movahedi, Chris Heeks, and Daniel Stanley for joining us on Deep Dive. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to tune into our weekly Views from the Desk episodes available each Thursday morning in this same podcast series. And you should also bookmark the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment tax or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance.